Howdy folks, welcome to episode 54 of the Weekly Dose of Euphoria podcast. I'm your host, Matt Sampala. I'm lucky enough to be here today with Shanna Kennedy. Shanna is an extremely influential individual whose journey is nothing short of inspiring. Shanna being a six-time author, uh, public speaker, as well as revolving her life around coaching individuals through a platform called Life Coaching. She is also a huge advocate for protecting the asset, and in this case, we are the assets ourselves. Through her coaching philosophy, she also provides people with the best environment to thrive. Personally, I think a life coach is a really underrated profession. Just as you would seek out advice from a personal trainer to work on your fitness, a life coach can provide an objective view on everything that's happening in your life at the current time and can really help you work towards big audacious goals. A life coach can also provide you with an extra point of connection, which I think that is something we are all craving during this whole COVID situation. Shanna, thank you for your incredible work and for dedicating time to record this episode. I really, really enjoyed it and I learned so much about myself through the process. Guys, go and grab yourself a notebook and a pen because you're going to need it for this one. I'll see you on the other side. Shanna Kennedy, welcome to the Weekly Dose of Euphoria podcast. It's awesome to have you on the show. Fabulous to be here. There's so much to share and um, well done to you for providing the platform to make that happen. Thank you so much. We uh, were introduced by a mutual friend of ours, actually my high school teacher, Dale Sidebottom, who's an absolute legend. So shout out to you, Dale. Thanks for the intro, mate. Shanna, you're up to incredible things and I'm really, really excited for the podcast and picking your brain about the role of a life coach and everything that you've been up to on your incredible journey. But before we get into all that, let's bring it right back to the beginning and tell us a little bit about your life growing up. Yeah, look, I had a great life. Um, really, you know, basic with European parents and their, their whole motto was no, heart, no reward without effort. So it was all about work ethic and that was pretty much drummed into us the whole way through. Um, And so I I wanted to become a stockbroker when I left school because I'd watched um, Wall Street the movie and I thought that looked really good. So I decided just to go straight there and I started in the dungeoning in the filing department and within two years I was one of the first girls to sit up on that desk, on the trading desk. And I knew then that I had this incredible drive and achievement about me that was really important. And they sort of said, well, you're a bit young and you don't, you don't have a degree and you need to go and study. And I really didn't want to. So I wanted to work and I wanted to work really hard. And I, I, I placed such value on hard work. So I traveled the world and came back and I got a different job in, in corporate sport where I had a lawyer who had 10 of Australia's best golfers and he taught me how to run an entire business from so that was really, really exciting. So I did that and, um, you know, I, I moved on to another job where I had 200 athletes in 10 different sports and it was, it was incredibly exciting to work with these elite athletes 24-7, seven days a week on their journey to becoming the best possible selves, if that makes sense. So I I was really, really lucky, um, but I also worked really, really hard. Definitely. And I'm guess just backtracking a little bit, how did the mentality derived from having parents from a European background influence your drive and motivation to always be better and, and, you know, chase your, your goals? 
Yeah, I think it just really came from my dad. He was, you know, if we ever sat down in the middle of the day, you know, he sort of told us we were lazy. <laughs> so I sort of never allowed myself to rest, I suppose. And, you know, they're a post-war generation who <clears throat> came to the country with nothing and it was their hard work that actually made them get to where they got to and they placed more value on that than anything else, I think. And so it was really drummed in at a very young age and, and so much so it probably cost me my health because I became such an achievement junkie that I, I didn't know how to rest and I didn't know how to recuperate and I didn't value it. I didn't value self-care. So I didn't have the toolkit that really supported me to, to protect the asset to, you know, I just kept going and going and going. And I think it's really important for everyone out there to realise that, you know, whether we're a great athlete or just a human being who we all need that self-care toolkit to know how to refuel and nurture and make sure that we have longevity and don't burn out. So I ended up burning out pretty early. Yeah, definitely. And I'm, we we're going to touch on your burnout process later on in the podcast, but I think this is a great segue into it. Shanna, what was your experience with burnout and when did that start to happen in your life? And talk to us about the symptoms leading up to, you know, when you realize, oh, wow, that I've taken on a little bit too much. Yeah. Yeah, well, the job was pretty exciting. If you can think of Jerry Maguire and, you know, we fly around and we have dinner with athletes and their families and it's all pretty fun and and I become friends with the families, but then I go and watch them play sport on the weekend and do some event sponsorship. So the job was sort of seven days a week, but in your 20s, it's fantastic. And I just started feeling my body starting to break a little bit. You know, when people say, come out for dinner and you think, oh, I'm not quite up for it. And you push yourself to go or you go to that party and you didn't really want to because you felt really exhausted and you pushed through. So I just was incredible at pushing through, really good at pushing through. Just put the pain aside and go, got really great, bad headaches. Start, my body started to ache a bit. It was just fully exhausted, but I wouldn't listen. Um, so they were the, sort of the symptoms until one day I actually couldn't get up and, um, and I was diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome. So I basically spent a year in bed where it took my health. It, it really compromised my job. Um, it compromised my friendships because my friends are like, what's wrong with you? You know, you're in your 20s, late 20s. It happened to me about 27, 28. And it really was very, very costly. And that was my gift. I call it my gift now because it really challenged me to learn the value of rest and recuperation it's like you're the athlete that just won't leave the track um, and it's the ones that leave the track and go and recover that can keep showing up so I knew if I wanted to have longevity in my career moving forward I had to have that boundaries in place of when to stop and when to say no and how to refuel and it's a really important skill to go away and, and learn yeah, I could not agree more, Shana. And, you know, battling uh, adrenal fatigue or, or chronic fatigue is, is something that is really, really hard to explain from the outside because you can't quite put you put it into words how you're feeling. But I guess there's a you real don't fine look, line. You, do, Sorry, Shana, you know, you don't, you don't look sick. You don't, you don't have a broken bone or anything. You, you sort of look fine. So people are like, what's wrong with you? You know, it's like you're being a bit soft, I suppose. And I was really afraid of people thinking I was soft, but it was this self-care. And 20 years later, 
I still deal with it on a daily basis where I have to really check in myself. You know, the days I feel good, I can go really hard. And then the days that I'm feeling a little bit compromised, I actually have to listen and be a bit more gentle with myself. Definitely. And I guess everything that I'm all about, my listeners would be well aware that I'm about preaching sustainability and promoting longevity and quality of life because, you know, you are your greatest asset. And if you're not looking after yourself, there's really no point in doing anything, is there? No, you are the asset. And that's, um, you know, I wrote my book, The Life Plan to Protect the Asset. And I wrote the book mainly for athletes going into transition. And, you know, we need to remember that we work for the business of self. And our job is what we do. Some people kick a ball better than me and I type quicker than other people and I speak on stage better than some people, but other people, you know, can lift heavier weights than me. So we've all got something that we're doing, but that's not who we are. Who we are is what we should be working for. And when you go through a retirement or an injury or you get retrenched or, you know, get dropped from the team or, you know, you finish your sporting career or, you know, your life has a massive change to it where we fall off the cliff. That's when people usually realise, oh, I forgot to work for the business of me. I've been building my career, but I forgot about me, the person, and what makes me feel fulfilled. Our job is what we do. It's not who we are. And so the last 20 years, I've really been coaching people on building the business of self so that we can withstand some um, curveballs being thrown at us or we do get dropped from the team or we do get injured. We've got a life running alongside our career plan. We've got a life plan and that allows us to be a more wholehearted human being. It's not just too skewed in one direction. I absolutely love that business of self and I can definitely relate to that for sure. Now, Shana, just taking a little bit of a backtrack before we head into the life coaching aspect, talk to us a little bit about your recovery process with adrenal fatigue because, you know, you are fighting the mental battle with yourself to to ask yourself whether you're feeling okay to get up and do those things and you're constantly dealing with the constant pressures of your external environment to do those things. How did you get through both physically and mentally through that 12 months where you were, you know, bedridden for lack of a better term? Mm. Well, that's when I employed my first life coach. So it was just before 30 and I thought I'm going into this big depression because my body will not do what my brain wants it to do. And I feel chronic fatigue is feeling like you have a massive hangover, but you went to bed at eight o'clock and you haven't had any alcohol or anything. And you wake up feeling like you've been hit by a truck. So I, I actually employed my first life coach. It was a lady in Queensland and I had to start recording. I had to start recording on a paper, sticky notes every single day, what my goal of the day was and challenge myself to walk to the letterbox. Next challenge was to walk to the end of the street. The next one was to walk around the block. And she showed me how I was progressing really slowly, um, but I wasn't acknowledging it. So she's taught me the power of the written word and I think mentally and emotionally, that's been really important because I still journal now and I can see that it comes and it goes and it ebbs and it flows and I need to flow with it. Um, but if I hold on to some of those days where it's quite bad, well, you go into a depression and you, you don't have that mental strength to move through. And physically, you know, I, I really challenge myself to move my body even if it was just walking or some yoga or stretching. And I worked very, very closely and still do today with a naturopath to 
supplement my body pretty heavily with a lot of herbs and supplements to support that adrenal burnout because I think once you've damaged your system like that, it's like it's got a crack in the engine. I don't think it ever fully repairs. And I think people think, yep, we can get over it. It's about working with the gift that you were given. And the gift for me is I've really learned about mindfulness and meditation and breathing and the power of refueling myself through, not through tablets so much, but through my mindset, through really training the brain every day, um, up on the mirror, it sort of says, um, today is easy and effortless, you feel terrific. So I have to reprogram that computer in my brain that feels like it's been hit by a truck. So I get up and I move, I get outside and I walk and I train my brain and then I feel great. I mean, I feel fabulous. But it takes a, it's, there's, there's a bit of a program that's going in there. Definitely. And I guess holistic medicine is a constant practice. You know, you're constantly working on preventing disease and getting to live your best life and nourish your body there's buddy in the parking there yeah at the postman like i did mention <laughs> yeah, that's, great. that's great uh yeah and, and you know what i i see the naturopath only four times a year and we work with the seasons so you know what do i need for winter what do i need for spring what do i need for summer and autumn and it changes because, you know, it depends on my schedule. It used to be how much traveling I'm doing, absolutely none now. But, you know, how much outside influence and pressure was on my body would, would really help with what supplementation I would use to, to help prop me up. And winter, you know, I tripled the vitamin D dosage and a lot of magnesium, a lot of zinc um, to go in. So there is a little bit of a nice schedule and program that works with nature and works with, you know, our, the amount of time I'm outside moving compared to the winter season, et cetera. So it is an ongoing thing, but it's a little bit like a plant. We're like a plant. You don't just ditch the plant and forget to feed it and water it. You've, it's, it's forever. It's, it's an it's a act of self-care. Absolutely love that analogy. It, we are like plants. We need to keep nurturing our bodies the whole way through our life. Now, Shana, you touched on it before that you saw you seeked out the advice of a life coach for the listeners at home that may not be aware with what a life coach is. Can you tell us the role of them and, and why is it so important for people in our everyday life? Yeah, a life coach, it's not counselling. It's not about looking at the past and delving into the past. It's actually about having that coach, like a trainer that's going, okay, we coach the gap from where you are now to where you want to get to. That's what we do. We coach the gap. So here you are now, you're at a bit of a crossroads or you, you're really successful. You don't know what's next. You don't know what the next three years holds. You want a map, a roadmap for your brain. So I coach clarity, purpose and direction. It's about are you very clear about who you are, um, where you're going and why you're going there? You know, what is the purpose of all this so that you know that you work for your values and you know that every decision that you're that you're making has a purpose to it and where is the direction you know your 5 10 20 year plan i do 20 year plans and it makes us look at our 20 year older self and listen in silence to the wisdom that's coming in i mean if all the listeners could just sit still for a minute and think about their 20 year older self and what is your 20 year older self telling you to do today because there's an incredible wisdom in us that we're not listening to. 
and it will give you the right direction. So the coaching is someone to hold your hand, be your cheerleader, be your lighthouse, help you strategize um, and really question you and ask you the questions that nobody else is going to ask you to really find out what you do really want, really underneath that, not what you think you want, but really want. And when we get that clarity, life's pretty easy. Life is great because you've got a very nice roadmap in the brain. Yeah, I could not agree more. I love the whole philosophy of a life coach and how important their role is in, in you know, they're raising the consciousness levels in the humanity of society as well. So I love that. And, you know, life is a long journey. I, I, I get really annoyed when people say life is short because life shouldn't be short. Life is a long journey and you really don't understand how long it is until you look back on, you know, where you were five years ago and you're like, wow, how much have I grown? How much have I changed? You know, life is what you make of it and it really can be a long journey. I think that's what an important role of a life coach is it just encourages you to you know go within and really realize what's what's possible in such that in that time frame would you agree yes 100 percent. such a great point is a life coach can bring perspective that you know what i find is a lot of people are trying trying to do too much in one year and they're really stressing themselves and over committing themselves rather than pacing it a little bit and doing it really well and getting much better results and we don't want to be feeling that level of stress all of the time. And when we map out the next 20 years, they instantly think, why, why am I trying to do 5,000 things in this one year? Um, and, and the other point is that, you know, when you see that you've got a lot of time, you can sort of say, well, if this doesn't work, it's okay. I've got heaps of time to, to really restore and to make things um, better or if it fails it doesn't matter I've got so much time up my hands so the document the templating of that is incredible and you know we talked about athletes you know when we were off air before about you know say for footballers for instance it's really about enjoy the minute that you're there but also plan for the future because it can be taken in a flash so it's that incredible um work that we do together where we push their brain past football and allow them to experience what is life like after football and normal people can't ask them those questions they work with a coach to really think about you're not going to training today you're not part of a club it's all over but how can we make your life just as exciting afterwards and we start to work on that quite early yeah, absolutely love that, Shana. And you touched on it before, enjoying the process. I think, you know, I often get caught up in living too far in the future and really have to pull myself back and, and really enjoy the process. And I think that's a big, you know, issue in modern day society. We're always looking further and we're not actually enjoying the present moment, which once you start to enjoy that present moment, it's such a bliss sort of sensation. Can you explain to people how they can enjoy the process a little bit more and not get too goal orientated, the opposite end of the spectrum that we spoke about before? Yeah, well, I'm an achievement junkie. Um, so I've had to really challenge myself on my to-do list to put in a bit of restoration and enjoy what I've actually have created today, you know. Um, I've written six books, you know. It should be, I should be relishing in that, but I just keep challenging myself for more. So sometimes we just need to take that breath and get perspective and come back to, we, we do need to enjoy the moment a little bit and 
for those people that write to-do lists like me, we just love setting goals, smashing them. Um, I have crossed out to-do and I've written joy. It is my joy list. So I'm writing another book at the moment. It's not on my to-do list, it's on my joy list. And just being a bit more gentle with what we're doing and the way that we're framing it in the brain is allowing us to actually find a lot more joy in what we're doing rather than just smashing goal after goal after goal because that's what an achievement junkie does and it doesn't provide fulfillment. And a lot of my clients are coming to me, they're very, very successful people, but they're missing that feeling of fulfillment. They're like, well, I've smashed all these goals, but it feels a little bit empty because they need to come back to the heart and they need to understand um, how they can enjoy today rather than rush through it and tick lists. We actually need to find out how to be a little bit more present with ourselves. And I always talk about self-connection being the most important thing where every time you wash your hands, for example, there's a mirror in front of you. And when is the last time any of you actually looked up into the mirror and checked in with the person staring back at you, which is your best friend, which is yourself, who's going to be there from the first to the last breath of your life. We, have, we ignore ourselves rather than checking in. And when we check in and have a little conversation with ourselves in the mirror, like, you know, how was the last couple of hours? Oh, that was, that was awesome. You did that. That's what gives fulfillment is the recognition of what you're doing and the acknowledgement of it rather than just running past the whole lot. There you go, folks. That is an incredible tip that I will personally be adopting. You know, you, you're sitting right in front of the mirror and you don't often check in with yourself. You check in on your mates, which is fantastic. You check in on your family, but how often do we actually check in with ourselves? And I think, you know, going back to what we we're chatting about before, Shanna, is that you are your greatest asset. So really that should happen on a, you know, a daily basis, if not more than that. I know. Isn't it funny? It's like, it's actually funny when you think about it. It's like we are looking after other people. We're going and um, doing all of these goals and learning to kick the ball better, lift bigger weights, type faster, whatever it is. And the person that's doing all of that, you completely ignore, which is yourself. And if we could treat ourselves like our, you know, there was another person in us called our best friend, you would be saying to your friend, oh, mate, slow down a little bit. Or you'd say, oh, great job. Or they're not feeling great today. You'd say, that's okay. You don't have to be happy every day. You know, let's just flow with it. Or why don't we just go and write those emotions down? Or, um, you know, that that last hour was really good. That I really enjoyed recording that podcast. That was such a joy in my day. What's up for the next couple of hours? And every time we go to the bathroom and we're washing our hands, we could raise our eyes up and actually look into the mirror and have a conversation because self-connection is key. The only person that can make you happy is yourself. And we all know that. You can't love anyone till you love yourself. So it's that acceptance of self, that kindness to self, that care of self, that um, pure um, connection to your authenticity are you doing and do you like what you see in the mirror? Um, that's the key to our happiness and our success because if we want longevity, we better be friends with the person who's coming on the journey with us, which is ourselves. Absolutely love that. And there's really no excuse because we're washing our hands more than ever at this time in the world, aren't we? 
Exactly. So if you do, you should be doing an extra. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And we spoke about it before, you know, that there's a reason why the, um, the airplanes tell you to put your oxygen mask on before anyone else's, because you really need to make sure that you're, you know, not pouring for an empty cup and you're able to be able to give people the advice and, and the nurturing that, um, that you can provide, but you also need to do that to yourself as well first. Yeah, it's such a great analogy, that one. I love it. So thanks for bringing it up because we often say, yes, let's check on our friends and our neighbours and what we're doing is running around the plane helping everybody else. We forgot to put our mask on. But even those that put their mask on and say, yep, I've looked after myself today, they haven't filled the tank. You still need to fill the oxygen tank so you have longevity with your mask on helping everybody else. And to fill your tank, it means you have to go away and fill it for yourself Definitely, so, that, so that you can do that for a long time. And when we help other people, we feel fantastic and we can do these wonderful acts of kindness. But we have to find the kindness to ourselves first because that's, that's actually what's inside the tank. So if we can keep the tank full, we can do that for other people on a long-term basis. So that's where we come into how you structure your day so that your tank is always full and you know is the way that you've structured your day working for you or do you feel exhausted or are your habits not right or or what's not working for you because your tank is leaking all the time and you don't have enough fuel to look after yourself but everybody else or that kindness for self is missing and you help everyone else but you're horrible to yourself that inner critic is there so um, I think it's a pretty important analogy that you bring up. Definitely, Shanna. I love it. I use it in almost every podcast. My listeners would definitely be aware of that. Now, we've spoken about the importance of self-investment and, and why it is so important, but we haven't spoken about the process on how to do it. So for someone that is just starting out, they've never heard of self-investment before, they're always looking out for everyone else, how do they go within and how do they look after themselves? Well, we need to see ourselves as a business and that we're the asset. So if we don't look after the asset, then everything else is eventually going to fall over. So I always start with people making sure they're very clear on what their values are. And in my book, The Life Plan is how to do it all. And you come up with your top three values and you write them down and you put them somewhere where you see them every day because your values is your centre, it's your core, it's your home plate. So I work for my three values every day and then I do my job on top of that. But underneath is everything I'm saying <clears throat> yes to has got to add to my values. So my values are number one is my health. And that doesn't mean, do I feel great today? It means what am I doing every single day in the diary for my physical health, my mental health, my emotional health and my spiritual health. So if there's not an activity in there to support each of them, then I'm not really working for that self-connection. The second one for me is family. And that doesn't mean is my family happy. It means am I showing up being the best version of myself with my oxygen tank full? So what do I need to do to make that happen? So does that mean I need to do a meditation? Does that mean that you know, I need to listen to my kids and be more present or um, be a more fun wife. You know, what, what is it that I need to do to show up a bit better? 
And the third one for me is achievement because I love achievement. I just love it. But sometimes the achievement is not selling 7,000 books. It is about, did I have a bath today? Did I allow myself the rest that will give me the longevity and the energy that I need? Or the achievement might be that I went outside and had lunch outside instead of powering through on the laptop. And that achievement can often be more important because it provides fulfillment. So when you have three words that you work towards every day, um, that's how we stay really grounded and we really feel like we're being our true self. I absolutely love that, Shanna. And I've just recently started, you know, rejigging my list of values. And, and I think it's something that should be done annually. You should definitely check in on your values and how you're fulfilling them. But yeah, I've just started, you know, listening to adapting my life around my values. And I felt that I was actually out of consciousness with, with a lot of my different values. So now just pro, uh, making the processes in my life um, more aligned with my values. And I guess, you know, there's a certain element once we've, you know, listed our values on how we achieve our goals and we hear goal setting get thrown around the world all the time, but do we actually really know how to set goals? And, and I guess that's where you come in, Shanna. How do you encourage people how to get set realistic and attainable goals oh i love goals um so i think what people do is just write a whole list of things without thinking about it so goal setting is a real skill and it's great to work with a coach and i have a coach myself every three years i hire a coach for a year and we do a deep deep dive and we just make sure i'm showing up as the best version of myself and that's the investment that i make um, it's a little bit like a personal trainer not having a trainer. Like every personal trainer should have a trainer. That's how they're improving and, and experiencing what it, what it is to feel like that. But um, I think I just digressed then. I'm sorry. That's um, okay. The question was the process of goal setting and how do people set, oh, yeah. you know, attainable goals? Mm. Yeah. So goal setting is working backwards. It's, it's about... You always start with what is the outcome that you want. So people go, oh, yeah, I, I, I think I want a bigger business. What's the exact outcome that you want? And then the second column should be, why do I want that goal? What is the purpose? And am I really clear with it? And how does it sit in my belly? Do I actually really want that? And if you really want that, that exact outcome, and you know why you want it, then what's your massive action plan? And they're the tiny mini goals and it could be 20 mini goals that would end up with that outcome. And if I know if every day I touch these mini goals, that outcome is just gonna happen. So it's about the way, the process, I think people do it a bit back the front. They're not really clear on the outcome. They say, oh, I might wanna do more talks, more public talks. Well, that's not, a, that's not an outcome. That means you're just treading water a lot of the time, doing things that you haven't really thought about why. But if you say, I want to do two talks every week on a, on a stage usually, um, and the purpose is I want to share my message with more people and I want to you know, get a name for myself or whatever, your massive action plan could be hiring a speaking coach. It could be targeting a certain audience. It could be developing you know, um, material and handouts and brochures and feedback forms. And there'd be a list of 60 things for you to do for those two talks a week. But a lot of people just say, I just want a couple of talks a week and they just go peddling around and they're not 
They're not really attached emotionally. And when we get attached emotionally, then doing all of those mini jobs around it and tasks and joyful things on the joy list, it actually becomes quite a beautiful process rather than a slog. So, so true, Shannon. And I guess I, I really resonated with what you're saying about goal setting before. Are we actually living our goal or are we living someone else's goal? And I guess it's really easy to get caught up in that with mainstream media and, and, um, and all the different platforms that we see other people thrive in succeeding and we sort of want that. But is that really what we want, truly? Mm-hmm. So the, the coach will always say, what do you really want? Because we coach the gap between where you are now and what you want. And so people will often say, this is what I want. And then we'll say, okay, that's really great. Now, what do you really want? And it will often be different. Because what we say we want and what we really want might be two different things when we allow ourselves to go into the next level. And then when they say that, then we would say again, is that really, really what you want? Because if you don't feel it, then they're just pretty hollow goals that don't provide fulfillment. Definitely deeper connection, deeper questions. Yeah, and then you'd really ask, but why do you want it? Why? Like, what is the purpose of it? And then does it add to your values? And if it's a hell yes, then all of those tasks now that we have to do to support the goal are actually pretty easy. Absolutely, I love that. Now, you know, we've spoken about the goal setting aspect. Now, I guess once we've narrowed down our, our goals that we actually really want we need to start developing an action plan which we spoke about that before in comes the prioritization aspect and part of part of this and i feel like we lack in prioritizing um our, our time efficiently and it goes back to that conversation we we're having before about there's just not enough hours in the day but you know if you're really prioritizing your time you can maximize the the efficiency of your work day how do you ha- do you have any tips for people um on how to do so Yeah, well, we have 72 blocks of 20 minutes every single day, 72 of them, 20 minute powwows. And how are people using them? And I would say a majority of people live in distraction. And when you can work in 90 minute blocks where you turn off your phone and you turn off all the dinging, donging things that we've got going on and you actually commit to a task, we get an enormous amount done and we have more free time. It's when we don't have those little boundaries and pillars. It's like running a marathon and you set your your drink stops along the way and you make sure you stop at the drink stop and you refuel and then you go hard and then you stop and then you go hard and then you stop. Um, That's how we get through and we're not, you know, fully cooked at the very end. And I think that's what we want to be trying to do is is mastering our time and prioritising what to do in each section. So we know in the mornings, that's when our self-regulation is at its peak and then by the afternoon it gets really tired. So the most important things that we want to be doing should be in the morning. Whatever's you're procrastinating on, you should be doing in the morning, never in the afternoon. So we want to smash out everything in the morning and do the easier tasks in the afternoon and it's a little bit like when you wake up in the morning, you don't ask for a donut for breakfast because you know it's not good for you and it's not going to support your goals. But by four o'clock, it's really hard to resist. And that's because our self-regulation is actually starting to peter out. It's a muscle. It gets really tired because you've been using it all day. So I think it's about all of your priorities. The things that are important need to be done in the beginning. So, for example, 
Exercise is non-negotiable for me. So it needs to be done first thing in the morning so that I don't have a chance in the afternoon of telling myself I don't have time or I don't feel like it. I just, it's the first thing I do at 6.30 in the morning is get out and move for an hour. And the important thing is I feel like I've won the day before the day's even started. And I think making your bed, moving your body, um, having a joy to-do list ready to rock and roll with the sticky things at the top and the easy things at the bottom. Um, that's how we, we really become high achievers, but we don't burn out and we have got fulfilment. Absolutely love that. Prioritisation is, is definitely one of my strong points and I feel like I'm definitely mastering my prioritising, but you can always get better, right? And with that, Shanna, comes routines that we spoke about before. And, and I'm in the, in the process of refining my morning routine. My listeners would know about that I would, was trying to work my way up to a cold shower, but I've uh, wimped out in winter at the moment. I'm just sticking to the cold face wash in the morning just to wake it up. Do you have a morning routine that you work through? You mentioned before about, you know, you get up and move your body as a non-negotiable. Do you have any finer details that you do, like connecting with your breath or, or looking in the mirror like we spoke about before? Uh, yeah, well, number one, I do do the cold shower. <laughs> oh, you're a <laughs> much that's better person than me, I'll tell you what. <laughs> that's my challenge to you. And, and it's about understanding, you know, the reasons. And, and one of the reasons, okay, is if you um, have your shower and then at the very end you turn it to cold and you count to 10, I count to 10 on the front and then turn around and count to 10 on the back and I breathe incredibly slowly. I don't allow myself to get dramatic is you've just proved to yourself every morning that you can handle any crisis because that's a crisis, right? So you, you've proved to yourself that if you breathe really slowly and you tell yourself it's fine and I can do this and it's just some water, um, you, you, you mentally become very resilient from doing the cold water. Apart from the health benefits, it's a very big mental challenge to flick the hot off. Um, so I just do it without thinking and then I embrace it. I'm like, come and get me. Um, and it's and then you come out, you just feel incredibly alive um, and ready to fire up the day. And the, you, you just, it's like euphoric. So you can think of it as, you know, medicine. It's fantastic. But with regard to my morning ritual, yes, it's been very refined over time and before I even get out of bed, uh, well, one of the things is there's no technology in the bedroom. So I have an alarm clock. All of my clients have alarm clocks. We get rid of the phone because if you're touching the phone before you even get out of bed, you set off a stress response in your body. So I don't touch my phone until after my exercise. So I do my breathing before I get out of bed. I, I always thank my bed. I'm really grateful that I have such a beautiful bed and that I'm not on a street or on some hard surface. And then I actually just go out and exercise. I don't even check the weather. I just go, I've got gloves, I've got beanie, I've got jacket, I live in Melbourne, it's, you know, it's freezing. Um, so I just go and then I come back to wake up my kids for school. So um, that's, that's my ritual. And then in the shower, I drink um, half a litre of water. I do a couple bit, bit more breathing. I set my intention for the day. Um, today's easy and effortless. I feel terrific. I'm going to flow with the day, whatever I need to tell myself. Enjoy the shower, turn it to cold, count to 20, get out. It's the same every day. 
And I know that I can do that ritual wherever I am in the world, even in a hotel. It doesn't have to change. It becomes who you are, like the way you brush your teeth. And the same thing, and I think just as important, is how you finish a day. And a lot of people don't will start the day well, but they don't know how to finish the day. And finishing the day is just as important. It's about how you leave the track. You know, you go to the track and you warm up and you do your exercise. You've got to leave. But you have to leave well and go and refuel so that you can turn up again the next day. And I think a lot of people aren't doing that well at the moment. It's all bleeding into one. So when is your tools downtime? So for me, it's five o'clock. I have to shut the lid of the laptop. That's it. And um, it's, it's a real discipline to do that, is to say it's tools down. And then, you know, go and do all the chores around the house that I need to do and cook dinner, et cetera. But then about 8, 8.30, it's, I put the phone away. I'm not allowed to look at any more social media. I'm not allowed to post anymore. Um, it's only TV after 8.30. So my mind is already starting to soften. It's starting to slow down. It's just absorbing into a, the distraction of a great Netflix show or something. And then I put the um, diffuser on in the bedroom, wash my face, put the cream on, brush my teeth, and do a bit of journal on what I'm grateful for as I get into bed. And so the phone's been gone for an hour, hour and a half, two hours. And so you've connected back with self. When you brush your teeth, you have a good look in the mirror and say thanks to your best friend. You know, today was great. You know, today you felt flat. That's okay. Go and sleep it off. You have that little conversation. And um, you feel, you just feel like you're the driver in life. You're not the passenger because you're choosing the shots. And I think that's a really important part. Wow, that is actually incredible. You've definitely inspired me to um, to suck it up and just get in the cold shower. Suck it up, yeah. yeah. So I will report back tomorrow if I do that. Right. Yeah. right. I'll be accountable there. Now, amazing, Shannon. Thank you so much for, for sharing that detailed description of your routines. I think you've definitely inspired a lot of people to take that first step. And, and you know, for the listeners at home, guys, you don't have to go and do those amazing routines and rituals that Shannon does every morning. Just pick one thing that you want to start with and, and you know, create a sustainable um, change. You don't have to go do all or nothing. Often as humans, we want to go all or nothing and do everything all at once, but slow, sustained progress, pick one thing, master it, and then add things on as you go. Would you agree, Shanna? Yeah. And I think you've got to, you've got to think that you're the asset, remember? So you want to build your own recipe, the one that works for you. And the recipe is only one step at a time. And once you've got that habit down pat, like, I don't know, doing some breathing before you get up, you habit stack, it's called. We stack our habits on top of something that we're already doing. If we're already having a shower, what's one thing that you could add? Breathing or, um, you know, mindfully smelling the soap or doing some affirmations. We want to just add one habit to something that we're already doing until it becomes like brushing your teeth. You don't think about it. You just do it. Same as washing your hands. You know, I put a, there's a little sticky note on the bottle that says breathe and look up. So I do three breaths. I look up, I check in until it becomes a habit. Um, so you just start with one and you start habit stacking and, but you create the recipe that works for you. Absolutely love that, Shana. Thank you so much. Now we touched on it before about your incredible journey as an author. I'd love to get into all your amazing books. Is it six time, six books that you've written, Shana? Is that correct? 
Yep, yep. Amazing. I'm just writing my seventh at the moment, which when I wrote my first book, I was like, said to my husband, okay, I'm done with writing now because I've written all I know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really interesting. The more that you evolve as a human yourself, there's so much more that you want to get out. So if you're doing the work on your development, you you will be learning a whole lot of new things that you want to be sharing. But it's been a fantastic journey considering I actually didn't do very well in English at school. <laughs> Incredible. I'm much the same as you. I was never a strong suit in English. But Shanna, what sparked your inner author and what, what made you decide that you wanted to write a book? Oh, such a good question. Um, I'd been coaching for 15 years and I thought, wow, I'm coaching these incredible life skills. They're life skills and we're not learning them in the school and we never get taught them and it's too late, you know, for some people. And I'm coaching people in their 40s and in their 50s and some in their 30s, some in their 20s. A lot of the elite athletes they don't know these life skills, but they're the most important ones. So how can I get that out to the general public? And that's why I decided to write my first book, which was Simplify, Structure, Succeed. And, and that was um, a self-published book. So I had 5,000 in the rumpus room, which was incredibly frightening. I was like, oh no, now I've got to go and sell them all. Um, and it cost me quite a bit of money to self-publish. But I was very, very excited to share life skills like values and vision and well-being with the world. And this is 15, oh, this is five years ago when I first started, six years ago. And so um, I then bought that book to Penguin and they said, we love it. There's nothing out there like it. I said, I want a Donna Hay style cookbook, but I want it with life skills. I want it to look good and I want people to to emotionally connect with wanting to be the best version of themselves. So we spent a lot of money on the photography and it's a beautiful coffee table book and it's full of life skills and it takes you on a journey. It's called The Life Plan. And that's available all around the world. It's sold over 100,000 copies. Um, it really, really is from the heart and it takes you on a journey. And that was really important to me because I was getting emails from young people saying that changed my life, that changed my life. I've never been told this. I've never learnt my values. I don't know what you're talking about. And my whole world has opened up. So that then inspired me to keep writing, I suppose, because even if we help one person, that's fantastic. If one person learns something today and applies it to their life, that's fantastic. So that sort of spurred me and then after being in business by myself for 15 years I was a bit lonely you know I'd been raising my kids working really hard coaching writing speaking all by myself on stages around the country <clears throat> and I met another mum in the school playground and I said do you want to do some work with me and she says yes so we started speaking together as a duo and then I said, do you want to write some books with me and we'll share these skills as purely as skill sets. So we wrote four books together over the last three years and um, they're about how to reclaim your energy and how to fire up your life and how to find happiness and how to go from chaos to calm. And they're actually skill-driven books. Um, and now I'm writing a book about what happens when you get the curveball thrown at you that you never really expected and how do you what's the process that you go through so they're real life books 
that teach you practical tips you can apply today. Oh, that's so incredible, Shana, and I definitely resonate with everything you just said. And I will have the link for you guys to look further into all of Shana's books in the show notes. And, you know, I, I really, really love hard copy books, Shana, because it's a resource that you can always go back to and you get that full picture of reading and it takes you away from, you know, your, your technology and, and you're really immersing in the, the finer details. Like you're grabbing the paper, you're turning the page, you know, you're immersing in the book. And I really think there's a, there's a beauty in hardcover books. Yeah. And it's really interesting when I first did my first book and even the life plan, I had to be really careful who I was telling because there's a lot of dream stealers out there. So you've got to be careful who you share your dreams with. You want to make sure you've got a team around you that are your cheerleaders. And some people said, oh, no one buys books anymore. They just don't Kindle. And I was like, oh, well, I, I like books. I like underlining things and highlighting things. And I write all over my books. And I want to learn from those books and keep them on the shelf and keep reopening them. And that's why my books look the way they look, they've been designed for beauty so that you put them next to your bed and you keep delving back into them. But, I, you know, a lot of people were very anti and I, I was actually feeling quite the opposite. I felt that with people being on screen so much, they, they will miss the smell of the page, the turn of the page, the, the jotting your notes down the side of the page. So I just pursued with what I was passionate about and didn't really try to take on board other people's opinions. Absolutely love that. I think that's a, a whole different topic that we could definitely have another podcast about. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Shana? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Keep your eyes on your own plate. Yeah. yeah. Do, what, do what you love and, and that's what's going to fill your happiness tank. It might not fill someone else's. So if we're sharing those thoughts and ideas with other people, I think it becomes quite dangerous. Definitely, definitely. Well, Shana, you're an absolute wealth of knowledge and, and you know, the, the tips and tricks that you've given to both me and my listeners have just been incredible today. Capping off the podcast or heading towards that direction, we've spoken about power of connection with yourself. And I think that's something that we can all adapt and all evolve in, but we haven't really spoken about power of connection with others. And I think in, in the modern day society, we are lacking connection with others, especially in this time of the pandemic at the moment, connection's really, really hard to come by. And I really want to get your thoughts on connecting with others and how we can make meaningful connections and really, really enjoy the time that we're spending with other people as opposed to just sending them an email or sending them a message over, over the phone. Yeah, I think it's a really challenging time to, to have that normal connection where that, nothing beats human on human connection, nothing. Because we have an energy exchange. You know, when you have a coffee with someone at a shop or at a cafe, you've got an energy exchange, a human energy that we can feel. Um, we don't get that through a screen. We can't feel through a screen. We don't get any energy coming back. So we have to be quite aware that we're not getting that human to human energy to fill out our tanks. But our connection to other people is now more important than ever because as we're isolated, especially in Melbourne, you can get really stuck in your head. So. I actually love ringing people. I love talking to them on the phone and having a lovely conversation because I find the screen is actually exhausting. I find that occasionally I do a Zoom call with some friends to see their faces, but I'm actually finding that my connection is really deepening through the phone. 
picking up the phone again and having a long conversation like he used to do as a teenager. Well, we did in our days because there, there wasn't any computers showing my age. Um, but that picking up the phone and having a half hour conversation with somebody where we're really supporting each other and we don't have to eyeball each other and be exhausted by it. I actually think that's pretty important at the moment or when we're out about doing our supermarket shopping or exercising, that we actually say good morning to people or hi and as we're going past and give people a smile because just doing that to other people makes you feel good as well and makes you feel quite connected. So making sure you know your coffee shop barista's name is really good um, because it just starts that relationship building. So I just think, you know, pick four or five people, make sure you, you ring them and have a really lovely conversation um, where you're not feeling exhausted at the end of it. Definitely knowing someone's name is such an important and such an easy skill that we can all adapt in now in our lifestyles from now, really. I really make it a conscious habit to know everyone's name that I come into contact with. And and I think it just deepens your connection instantly when you refer to someone as, by their name instead of just mate or buddy or, you know, mm-hmm. friend. Mm, so important. And it's such an easy thing to do, especially if you're shopping at the same local place all the time you will get that heartwarming sensation when people actually say each other's name. It's that acknowledgement. Um, it, it's, it's very, very powerful. Um, and it's really important at the moment. Agreed. Shanna, you are an absolute wealth of knowledge. And I said it before, the tips and tricks that you've given both me and my listeners have been incredible. Before we finish up the podcast, I want to know why you get out of bed each and every day. I love my life. I love it. I I do so much work on creating a a picture that inspires me to get up, to show up, to be the best version of myself every day. I love my routines. I've worked really hard on them to make sure that they're exciting. But I get up every day to, number one is to look after my precious life. And number two is to serve my family. And number three is to, to share life skills because I'm so passionate about them and we don't learn them at school. Responsibility versus blame, vision creation, knowing your values, how to take pause, how to rest, how to have a self-care toolkit, well-being, mental health. I'm so passionate about sharing the knowledge to help people that it's very easy to get out of bed. Wow. Nutshell. I absolutely love that. So incredible. So inspiring for everyone as well. You are incredible, Shanna, and you're doing some incredible things for the people at home that really want to get in contact with you. Where can they find you? Wonderful. They can find me on shannakennedy.com, S-H-A-N-N-A-H Kennedy.com. I'm putting up all these free downloads this week. So there's free screensavers for everybody with all of the things that I love to talk about that are inspiring. Um, There's also a free downloadable, printable vision board starter kit where I've got all the words, you just cut them out and it tells you how to do it. So I really want to provide now the free resources to people to get them going. So they're on the website. Otherwise, Instagram is Shanna Kennedy. And yeah, I want to really thank you for giving me the opportunity to share today and to have this great conversation with you. Um, Matt, you're doing such a great job. And, you know, we all love to go for a walk, listen to a podcast, learn something, go home and try it. 
Um, and hopefully everybody is out there moving their bodies, listening as much as they can to this incredible new way of living where we have so much knowledge now at our fingertips through the incredible world of podcasts. So we've never had that before to this degree. So it's a wonderful way to learn and to grow and to evolve and to flourish as a human being. I could not agree more. Thank you for the kind words as well, Shana. I appreciate it. I really, really appreciate your time and all the nuggets of information that you've shared with all of us today. So thank you so much. Fantastic. Have a wonderful week ahead, everybody. And there you have it, folks. Shana Kennedy, what an incredible human being that is making waves in this whole industry. I, I hope you guys got as much as I got out of that podcast and i'm really really excited to see what sort of things that shana has inspired you to do guys don't forget to leave a rating and review on itunes or spotify other than that guys i'll see you on the next episode have a wonderful week